on this episode of Why Watch That. Some of them, it's a lot of makeup and prosthetics to make them look like it. Like Viola playing Michelle, it's just a lot. Eyebrows and mouth and, you know, just a lot. Now, if you make choices knowing what someone's going to give you and they give you that and you upset later on, I'm not here for that, as all of y'all say. <laughs> I'm not here for any of it. I don't want to hear it. Margaret says this, quote, we have to promise that we will never ever bore one another, unquote. To which Ian re replies, quote, I'll do and say many things. None of them will be boring, unquote. <laughs> uh, where's I'll Daddy Jackson part. when you need her? A lot of people are calling her Miss Jackson from what we talked about. Oh, that. I love it. Why Watch That as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head -head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to, to Why, Why Watch, Watch That. Critic? Yes. Critic! What? Have you heard? We just got a buy me a coffee page. Uh -oh. <laughs> What's that? Boy, come on. It's a place where listeners can support our work for as little as $5. $5. Pretty much the price of a coffee. I don't drink no coffee. What you talking about? Well, you don't drink anything but water <laughs> and eat raw potatoes. But... <laughs> I guess they can buy you a popcorn. How about that? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> well, everyone, look, visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that to support our work or purchase our valuable resources. Yeah, you know what? We just added the TV trackers to help you curate a collection of shows you'll love to watch. So find this and more ways to support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that. So, Critic, are you going to buy me a coffee? Maybe. Hey, Critic. Hey, y'all. We got some energy coming to us. Yes! <laughs> We're uh -huh. back for another episode of Why Watch That. An interim episode, right? We're, yes. we're doing interludes. Can you yeah. update the people again on the transition from Why Watch That? What was it? 2.0? To why watch that yes. 3.0. 3.0 and beyond. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so a producer update back at you. So we have done a call for people. We actually have some interested parties. So oh. we're going to, uh, you know, start digging through the uh, applications and uh, scheduling some test runs. And so... Uh -oh. At some point what in the near future, a crazy person wants to get involved in this. That people, man, the people out here. <laughs> so you know, guys, get get used to this voice, but it won't be around forever. There you go again. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> continuing to plant the seed and water it, just so you know we can prepare for yeah. the transition. <laughs> so, <laughs> Good, okay. all right. So yeah, that's where we are, guys. So why watch that? episode interim is going to kick off with so yeah. it's a movie first look a why watch that first look it is the batman yes another version of batman with a the in front of it brought to us by hbo max why um, why the sarcastic you know caustic kind of <laughs> Another Batman skin we do? I don't know. Maybe it's How many Batmans have you seen, though? Wait a minute. <laughs> Lady, like, I watch these movies. How many of them have you seen? Well, you saw the first one, Michael Keaton. Well, the first modern one. one. I think I saw the Dark Knight one. Um, you Just yeah. Dark Knight. Maybe. Listen, I dated a comic book geek, and, you know, maybe that's my... It was just all, you know, all comic book everything. So maybe I'm, you know, slightly triggered or something. Um, but <laughs> so you the saw Batman. two Batman movies, <laughs> and you are over it. <laughs> I hear. I just keep hearing about Batman. Yeah. I feel like 
every I don't know. I feel for such a create, you know, like you know, art to the table is such a creative space, a creative mm. industry, and and there's not much creativity because you know, it's, it's like, business. This is I not, you know. Come on, this is not a charity. I These know it's not a charity. Youths, they call them that for a reason. Are crunching numbers for their shareholders. That's how it works. Yeah, there's a place where creativity mm-hmm. and business can meet yeah. harmoniously. Sometimes though. it happens. You know, <laughs> we celebrate <laughs> them when it happens. Sometimes, <laughs> occasionally, they do that. All right. Well, since this is not with streaming, hopefully, we have more of an opportunity. Hopefully. Yeah. There's something bunch. There's hope. It doesn't cost <laughs> thing to smile. You don't have to pay to laugh. Nope. <laughs> All right, guys, back to our regularly scheduled program. Um, <laughs> the Batman is a, um, based off of the DC comic, you know, also no. entitled Batman. It's based um, off of the DC comic character? Did I watch the right movie? Really? <laughs> Yes, um, but this one has a different cast. There's uh, Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, um, Paul Dano, Jeff Jeffrey Wright. Uh, yeah, so, Critic, tell us about The Batman. The Batman. Now, why is it called that? It, there is a reason. And in this new Batman, I guess, film series they're starting here, what we're starting with is year two of Batman. So, you know, this is the second year being the Caped Crusader. Uh-oh. And we start off on Thursday, October 31st. Oh. Now, everybody's in a mask on Halloween. So how is this going to affect things at the beginning of this movie? Now, also, it's 20 years after the Waynes were slain So keep that in mind. Now, if you really are under a rock, Bruce Wayne is Batman. That's him in real life. Okay. And his parents were killed 20 years ago, according to this movie's timeline. And his father is a billionaire philanthropist. He was Dr. Thomas Wayne, and he was running for mayor. Okay. Now, a shocking crime happened there and it remains unsolved killing these two wings the parents of bruce so okay 20 years ago this happened now there's a new campaign for mayor right we know you know a week later after halloween you're gonna have the election somewhere around that and there's this candidate you know who's going to do the hope change kind of thing bella real um played by jamie lawson interestingly enough now if you're going well wait a minute who in the world is jamie lawson why are you mentioning jamie lawson it's because jamie lawson was in a movie that the ref and i liked a lot i don't know if it was last year or two years ago but it's farewell amore two years ago 2020 so here jamie is playing this character what does that have to do with anything now we also have characters we're very familiar with in the Batman uh, universe. There is, of course, Detective Gordon, played by Jeff Wright. And, you know, at this point, of course, Batman and the cops, you know, quite good along. There's this vigilante, you gotta stop him. You know, we know this story. You know, you're a vigilante, regardless of whether you're doing good things or not, it doesn't matter. You're getting in the way, and then you're gonna spawn other vigilantes that may not be as beneficial. Who's behind the mask? You know, that whole kind of thing. But Detective Gordon, as we know, likes Batman, wants to use Batman, leverage him as a resource. So that's what's happening. Now, there are certain murders occurring and they are attached to the Batman. Because the person who's committing these heinous crimes or hyenas crimes, as the prosecutor says in My Cousin Vinny. The person committing them always leaves a little card with a message for the Batman. And this is the Riddler. Now, if you're going Riddler like what Jim Carrey did, no. 
he does have riddles, but it's not as uh, fun. I'll put it that way. And Riddler's played by Paul Dano. All right, now, Riddler's also masked. He has this connection with the Batman. What is the connection? Does he see the Batman as his adversary or as someone who is simpacato or simpatico, I should say. Let me get my Spanish right. So that's the thing. They are masked. They are vigilantes. They are the embodiment of vengeance because Riddler has information on all the of the big wigs in Gotham. The current mayor to the police chief, commissioner, detectives, cops, wealthy people, and it involves Dr. Thomas Wayne. So this means it must involve Bruce Wayne. So what's the Riddler up to? Does he know the connection between Bruce and the Batman? Hmm. Now, another thing, we of course have Alfred, played by Andy Serkis, who the producer loves, Gollum and so on. So, you know, we get that presence. Nice to have Alfred there. If you don't know, Bruce Wayne's butler, you know, so on, advisor, the man who helped him when he was an orphan, you know, spend his money. So we have his presence. We also have Catwoman, played by Zoe Kravitz. And Catwoman and Batman, they connect because of these crimes. And Catwoman, real name is Selena Kyle, She's working at this club. She has a friend who, you know, bad things happen to her. And so Selena's like, I've got to avenge what happened and I've got to get to the bottom of this. And that's how she encounters Batman. Now, it's a lot of long looks between the two of them, of course. So we have all of that going on here. And we also have a character played by John Turturro, Carmine Falcone, crime boss, connected to this club, so connected to Selena, how, I won't tell you. Also connected to Dr. Thomas Wayne, how, I won't tell you. Also connected to the Penguin, who is played unrecognizably by Colin Farrell. What's the Penguin doing in this movie? He's not the main baddie, but he is connected to Carmine's syndicate, to this club, you know, all that kind of stuff. So if you're expecting Penguin to come in and like be the one that Batman's after, no, 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 no. The main villain is Riddler. Now, with all of that said. Who's watching this? Who should watch this? Well, wait a minute now. You're so impatient. <laughs> Obviously not you. <laughs> <laughs> so it really is, they're really toying around, producer with, the morality of vigilantism. Let's say it that way. Mm. Because you have Batman and Riddler as the face. Even there is, you know, Riddler communicates with the Batman sometimes publicly and the news picks it up and on the screen, the Chiron says, killer live streams with vigilante. Like, you know, it's that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And when you're watching this, really at the start, it's up to everybody else to make the Batman who he is. This vigilante you take seriously. They do that rather well from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, but the question is, how do you get to the core of what that really means? Does this movie succeed? I'll say now, when it comes to certain comments on vigilantism and politics, the story to me was lean for a runtime that's over two and a half hours. Now, I didn't mind that, but if you're going to try to get into that, I thought it was a bit thin thematically when it comes to that question. Also, just how I view humans in life, I'm just not swayed by some of this stuff. I'm just not. It's just like, okay, whatever. Welcome to the real world. Okay. Now, Batman here is presented like a true anti-hero. He's depicted almost producer like a villain. But we know he's doing stuff for good, essentially. Like like Dexter. No. <laughs> See, <you know? laughs> no. <laughs> nice try. 
<laughs> so really, it's like, what's the difference between good and evil? Can a vigilante be good? Is vengeance ever warranted? Again, on that count, I wasn't quite as compelled by this. Just let the story speak for itself. Now, I do say that they captured the spirit of Batman quite well. Um, now, Matt Reeves is directing here. He was involved in Felicity years ago. He directed Cloverfield. He did the two sequels to the last Planet of the Apes trilogy. So he's worked with Andy Serkis before. Mm -hmm. So it's that kind of aesthetic from Matt, especially if you think Planet of the Apes Cloverfield dish. So Matt, his creative team, they're using all the tools of film to conjure a somber mood. And it slowly glides through Peter Craig's script at just the right pace for me, mostly. Now, if you're not someone who likes, you know, a moody, slowish kind of superhero movie, this isn't for you. You know, Zack uh, Snyder's Justice League, that kind of thing. It's in line with that. It is in line with Joker. It is in line with uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. It is in line with all of that. I like that stuff. It also has an awful sort of beauty to it. Mm. So you get like a lot of a lot of times just raining, you know, you get the sound and look of a rainstorm, muted colors and the music goes along with it. Also, what they've done, producer, they've kind of superimposed Gotham on New York City. Huh. So if you know New York City, you'll go, oh, I see it in there. But on top of it is Gotham. I thought that was very smart. There's a weighty smoothness to everything. Fights included. The way they include technology was smart from Batman. So they thought about all of this. Now, when it comes to Pattinson as Batman, I think it was a good choice. You know, Batman is a tortured soul. Bruce Wayne is, he captures that. He has that, you know, all voice husky. Hey, that kind of, which is kind of comical. Like mm -hmm. he, at certain times it's almost laughable, but he doesn't quite get there. Like they flirt with it. Sometimes I'm like, okay, like <laughs> I will give you a pass for being off voice, but like, okay, like we might want to calm down a bit. You know, he has this plotting walk from the beginning because some people might be going, how is Robert Pattinson going to play Batman? I mean, Batman is no slouch. Mm -hmm. Now he gained weight, Robert Pattinson. He walks, you know, around like, you know, you'll see. <laughs> so, it, you know, I would say it worked. It's almost like, um, I, what I kept thinking of watching Robert's Batman is the crow. It was like he could play the crow if he lost weight again. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of feel from him. Um, so, okay, I thought that worked overall. Uh, Colin Farrell is Penguin. Perfect. Perfect. I said completely unrecognizable, not just an appearance, like voice, everything. It completely disappeared. Not the Jared Leto sort of way. Okay. Like literally disappeared into Penguin. I'll be interested to see what they do more with him because he's not used a lot here. It's a nice little bit of spice. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, you know, there's some issues from fans with her playing Catwoman because Catwoman has a certain height and so on. Uh, I would say that Zoe's face and expressions work for Catwoman. Mm -hmm. I do think at certain times she could have slowed her pace down. She almost seemed a bit out of step with the movie, pace-wise. Mm -hmm. Just a bit. Just a bit. But I'm fine with it. Andy Serkis, Jeffrey Wright, they keep things grounded. John Turturro. We also have Peter Sarsgaard showing up here as one of the corrupt people. Mm -hmm. Nice to see them as well. Um, so a lot of this works, even in the script, there is some dark humor. It's so dark sometimes though, that you might miss it. <laughs> like it's like, oh, <laughs> well, uh, during the middle section, it did lose a little bit of luster. Like you might start feeling the time at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you like the vibe, it's not gonna matter much. Um, so it's a, like a voyeuristic sort of dark, brainstormy, Gotham-ish New York with, mm -hmm like a feel of horror almost that's kind of what it is because you know sometimes batman's like looking in or other people are looking in on other people it's that kind of thing mm. but let's not go overboard as some people have you cannot discount what christopher nolan did with his dark knight trilogy you just can't if we compare it to that middle movie of that trilogy the dark knight that everybody saw heath ledger as joker and so on 
watching that, that movie has you by the throat. Okay, it's that kind of thing from beginning to end. I wouldn't say this is there. This is a more um, gentle <laughs> expression <laughs> of that. So, you know, that's the difference. Even if we think of, again, Zack Snyder's Justice League, that has more of a variety to it. It's an hour longer or like an hour and a half longer. But there's more in the story than this. Mm-hmm. So that's the the tension here. It's not going to quite grab you by the throat. It held my attention, though. And the story might not have been enough for the runtime fully. Now, I'm nitpicking just so that people know, because this is really for people who are into this kind of thing. If you're not, I'm not quite sure that it's going to land. It did for me. Uh, Again, think Joker as well, but Joker is much more brutal. I mean, it's not even close. Or even Seven. Mm. Like seven, a lot of rain, that kind of thing uh-huh. in the city. It's that kind of thing with the Batman. So um, I think overall this was a success. Was it perfect? No. Is it the best we've ever seen from Batman? No, but that's a high bar. Um, and I would watch what they have coming next. They they have some TV spinoffs, possibly another movie. So we'll we'll see where they go. But this is like for comic stuff. I like this. I like serious more than comedic. That's just mm-hmm. me. I'm not really, you know, oh, laughy, laughy, ha, ha mm-hmm. kind of thing with comics. Just, just not me. Got it. Okay. So what All do right. you think now, producer? Are you still down on another Batman? I mean, you know, two and a half hours, maybe, if I have to spare. A little more. <laughs> and I, a little more. A little more. And I, and I want to be in a mood. I guess I'll yeah. throw on the Batman and see what's up. All yeah, right. now it's on HBO Max. H- so it was yeah. in theaters. Now you can watch it whenever you'd like via HBO Max. Alrighty. And they're going to show it on HBO as well, the channel, on the okay. 23rd, I believe. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, there you go. 23rd of April, let me say that. 2022. Yes. So so people are going, <laughs> listen to this four years later going, oh, it's the 23rd. Oh, when is it coming on? <laughs> yes. All right. Now on to our uh, TV series section we're going to talk about a tv premiere called the first lady the why watch that talk the first lady is uh brought to us by showtime it's an american anthology drama that's created by aaron cooley um and it stars viola davis michelle pfeiffer and uh gillian anderson and a whole bunch of other people so critic tell us about the first lady and who should be watching this Yeah, so it tracks three first ladies in the States. Um, So we have Michelle Obama, played by Viola. We have Betty Ford, played by Michelle. And Eleanor Roosevelt, played by Jillian. So, you know, you're tracking those three different timelines. And it begins at a particular moment for each of these first ladies. That was important. It really starts before they become first ladies. Mm. So at a pivotal moment. And then, you know, they'll do some time shuffling to their past, to the future, that kind of thing. So for um, for Michelle Obama, it's we see her with uh, Laura Bush, first time in the White House, you know, getting that tour. But we also see before then what happened when uh, President Obama, when he had to get Secret Service, uh, a Secret Service detail early, you know, why was that? So that kind of thing, you know, we know that there were certain discussions in the Obama household about should he run? What's the safety of this? So you have echoes of that in that storyline. Um, now for Betty Ford, um, this is right before uh, Gerald Ford is going to be vice president. So that's where we start. They get the news. She has to rush to the White House for the announcement. They don't even have a seat for her. You know, she wasn't expecting it, that kind of thing. And how is she going to be a first lady who is open about her personal journey? You know, needing, you know, to go to a psychologist, for instance. You don't say these kinds of things at that time. So, you know, she's about to shake things up. And we know further on with Betty Ford and substance abuse and so on, leading to her pioneering work in that space. So they'll probably get to that. Mm -hmm. 
And then Eleanor Roosevelt, we start before FDR um, actually was, was stricken with his affliction and had to be in a wheelchair. Start right before that. And we see discussions between uh, Eleanor and FDR's mother. His mother's like, look, he needs to just go away to this state, you know, get out of politics. It's over. But Eleanor's like, no, 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 no. He can win. He can win. And FDR, by the way, is played by Kiefer Sutherland. Um, uh, Barack Obama's played by O.T. Fogbenlay. And Gerald Ford is played by Aaron Eckhart. You know, when they're not young, but, you know. So that's what's happening here. We also have, uh, you know, like Michelle's mother popping up, uh, played by Regina Taylor, and all of that kind of stuff. So there you go. I mean, it, it, we know essentially these stories if you know history. Yeah, yeah. Now, the question is, do we need to watch this? Yes, that is the question. Now, it can be hagiographic. Now, if you don't know what a hagiography is, it's essentially when you lionize history. That's what it can be. But I wouldn't call it bad. But sometimes it's like, okay, here we go. Yeah, you know, just cue the music swelling. They don't do that, <laughs> but you could. And my question was watching this, how did this end up on Showtime? Mm. Why isn't it like if we stay in the Viacom CBS family on CBS? Mm-hmm. Like if it's on Showtime, you expect it to have a bit more spice or something. Yeah. They haven't answered that question fully for me. I wanted it to be more incisive, and I've just seen the first episode. The cast is strong, of course. I read the names, so did the producer. But some of the depictions, <laughs> they don't quite line up. Some of them, it's a lot of makeup and prosthetics to make them look like it. Like Viola playing Michelle, it's just a lot. Eyebrows and mouth and, you know, just a lot. And then you contrast that, like, with Michelle playing Betty. It looks like Michelle Pfeiffer. It's more naturalistic. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Jillian as Eleanor is somewhere in between. Um, it, you get, you know, OT doing Barack, you know, the whole voice, that whole kind of thing. It's just, I, I wish that there was a clearer take on how to play all of these characters. Because what starts happening is the ones who are really going for it, it seems extreme. Mm. Like when you contrast that Mm. with Michelle Pfeiffer, very natural. It's kind of like, why aren't we there? Mm -hmm. We got to choose one or the other. I prefer to be in the natural (laughs) just because it's less distracting. Like Viola is like the mouth is like, you just got to see. It's like, whoa, like we've really gone for it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, okay. So what I would say is, producer, it's somewhere in between ABC's Women of the Movement and the West Wing, but I want it to be closer to the West Wing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what what do you think, producer? Would you check this out, First Lady? Probably Just not. say no. Yeah, see? <laughs> <laughs> like, why is it on Showtime? Like, yeah. Why is it on Showtime? Like, go for it. Not, yeah. not I mean, unless, unless it. Unless it gets you know, yeah. more showtime as this season goes on. Like, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, first lady. Well, now on to our next uh TV series. This is gonna be a finale. My brilliant friend, those who leave and those who stay, HBO. Everybody um, needs to leave. Italian <laughs> drama. <laughs> this is the season finale. Um and this is season three, season three's finale. Yep. And it's been picked up already for a fourth and final season. So Credit, how was this season? And are you going to continue to watch it? Uh, it was a mess, not in execution, but in storytelling. <laughs> like this story is disgusting, disgusting. <laughs> and I said, this is literature in motion. It still is. It's nasty literature in motion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What am I talking about? What are you talking about? Now, my brilliant friend has a lot of meanings. There are two friends we tracked from season one when they were little girls. They're now all grown with kids and, you know, husbands that they leave in and all kinds of stuff. Lenu and Leela. And it always comes down to the core of that nasty friendship. 
It's nasty. They're nasty with each other. They're competitors, yet friends. They leech off of each other. You know, it's a mess. Mm. In the best way. Okay. Now, our narrator across every season is Lenu. And the narrator is older uh, Lenu, who is a writer. So, like, we're assuming that she's written memoirs. And that's what we're watching play out. Mm -hmm. And in this season, she gets married. She has two kids. Um, Now, the husband she married is, uh, he's from a very important family. Um, You know, they have a publishing house. They are in academia. He's a professor. You know, very serious, high-thinking people. And uh, look, Lainu's from the hood. We know that. She's from Naples, that kind of thing. And she worked her way through school, college. She's a writer in her own right. She wrote a salacious book. Mm. And everybody has different reactions to that. You know, when she goes back to her neighborhood in Naples, what are they thinking? Mm. 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 So... The thing is, though, before she married this this man, this professor, okay, they were talking about having kids, all of this stuff. He was clear on what he expected. So let me tell everybody something in the world. You do have responsibilities and accountability. It's not on everybody else. We got a lot of this going on now. You have choices. And so did Lainu. Now, if you make choices knowing what someone's going to give you and they give you that and you upset later on, I'm not here for that, as all of y'all say. (laughs) I'm not here for any of it. I don't want to hear it. You chose it. They weren't lying. See, a lot of people go, oh, you're just saying that. No, you might want to listen. So I have no sympathy for Lainu. Not even a smidge. None. (laughs) Not even a mustard seed. No. No. Not a mustard seed. Mm-hmm. Because old Slinkin' Nino comes in. Who's the man who got away from her? You know, he went with Leela instead of her when they were teens or whatever. You know, she's always been looking at him. She was involved with his father, by the way. Uh, hello. His father. Mm-hmm. That's his father. Mm-hmm. What kind of man is he then? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he pops back up because, you know, he's a professor and all. and He works with her husband, you know, as a visiting professor, whatever he's doing. He shows up in their house. He wants to tell the man what he needs to be doing in his own home. He'd have gotten kicked out so fast. Look, you're not going to come into my house and criticize me. But the professor Mm -hmm. is a very calm man Mm -hmm. until it's time not to be. (laughs) Okay, you might get some smashed glass. And things like that. Watch out. Mm-hmm. So what do you think happens between Lenu and Nino, who has a wife and a kid himself? Now, he's talking about, you know, Lenu, you know, you're above your husband. You know, you should be out here writing. You're so smart and all this other stuff. You're squandering your talent. What about your wife? What's she doing? Mm. She's at home taking care of your kid. Hypocrisy. Disgusting people. I can't, I can't stand this stuff. <laughs> I can't. It's like watching the like, I just can't take it. <sighs> don't don't throw stones at glass houses. Yeah. Stay in your lane. Mm. So in the end, something happens. And the professor has had enough. Now, if you're gonna make certain decisions that affect your family. Don't assume that you're going to just be able to slink out in the middle of the night and it all be fine. Because somebody might be there to go, nope, I don't think so. You got daughters. Explain to them what you're about to do. Go ahead. They're too young. No, they're not. Tell them. You might be surprised what they know. Oh, watch out. Now, Leela is still in Naples. And, you know, we know Leela married, you know, Basically, you know, a gangster. Had a kid with him, left him to live with another man. Still married to the gangster. And then another gangster's always had his eyes on her. So he employed her 
to do this work because she and the man she's now living with, a man that I, my heart goes out to, they worked uh, at IBM. And this is the 60s, you know, so, you know, 60s, 70s, I don't know when they are. So, you know, he takes her away from IBM to do the same kind of thing for him. It's a nasty mess. And, you know, things are going on in Naples uh, where she wants her son to go visit Le New to get out of it and all this kind of stuff. So there's a big mess. And because of that, in the end, Leela learns what Le New's up to. What's Leela's response? Remember, they got a nasty friendship. Mm. What does she say? Is it nasty or is it just the truth? Mm. So going into the fourth and final season, which will be based on the fourth and final book in the series by Elena Ferrante, we finally see the narrator on our screens. So in the fourth season, that'll be the actor playing Le Nu. Now, we don't know who's going to play everybody else older, but they've already signaled that's where they're going. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to now start putting a face to that voice that we've heard so long. So, you know, Margarita Mazzucco, who played um, Lenu pretty much from season one after they were kids, starting then as a guest star and then starring as the heart of this show in seasons two and three, will not be with us moving forward. And uh, Gaia Girace for Leela, same thing. So they're gonna be changing the casting. Um, I can't say that I enjoyed the story in the end of this season, but it was well done. So <laughs> will I be finishing this? Absolutely. It is great television. You've just got to watch it critically because these people, most of them are not good people. Now, I'm not judging them. That's fine. I don't care. But they ain't role models mm -hmm. and I ain't listening. The professor, though, I'm listening to you. I will say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there we go. All right. So season finale of my brilliant friend. I mean, I needed like a shower. A I watched this with my brother, a <laughs> uh, producer, and we were just like, ugh. Okay. Ugh. Oh, Nino, Lenu, the two of you. Oh, Yuck. man. Two of you mm. together. So y'all can't come for me, both of them. <laughs> Disgusting. I said it. All right. A why watch that sneak peek? Now we go into our TV sneak peeks that both come to us on uh, Earth Day, 2022, April 22nd. Okay, we're going to stop this episode now. <laughs> See, the producer likes to poke and prod me. <laughs> not that I have anything against Earth Day, I do not. <laughs> All right, so our first Earth Day premiere um, comes brought to us by Netflix, and it's entitled The Heart Stop. Well, no, Heart Stopper. Um, it is a British coming of age romance based on a um, web comic and graphic novel by Alice Osman. And uh, yeah, it'll be out April 22nd, yeah. 2022. So tell us about it. Very good. And Alice uh, developed this for Netflix. So, you know, she's writing still all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and here's what we have. We have we have Charlie. Charlie played by Joe Locke. And, you know, Charlie is has recently come out at his all boys school. OK, these are teens, that kind of thing. So, you know, the love Simon, uh, love Victor, that kind of stuff. Now, Charlie plays the drums. He plays them well. And he can run really fast. He really can. Now, he's not interested in sports. But if you want to catch him, good luck. <laughs> All right. Now, there's also uh, in Charlie's circle of friends, Isaac. Now, Isaac seemingly doesn't have a care in the world. You know, he's just a nice guy. He's just there, whatever. No issues. And he's played by Toby, Toby Donovan. There's Tao, who's a movie buff, and he's overprotective of his friends. I mean, my goodness. Now, he won't fight you physically, but he will have something to say. And Tao is played by William Gao. 
And then there's also L. Now L, uh, played by Jasmine Finney, was at the boys' school, is now at the girls' school. Got it. And when L was at the boys' school, we don't see this on uh, screen, there was bullying. Mm -hmm. Will there be bullying at the girls' school? Mm. Mm. Now, at the girls' school, there are two uh, classmates of L's who will develop a sort of rapport with uh, her. Now, what kind of rapport, I won't tell you. And they are Tara and Darcy. Now, Tara's played by Corinna Brown. Darcy's played by Kizzy Edgel. I love these British names. So what's going to go on between Tara and Darcy? Now, that's Charlie's circle of friends and some uh, people who are ancillary. But if we come back to Charlie himself, here's what happens. There's the first day of school coming up. And he has to go to what we would call here in the States homeroom. They call it home something. I don't remember. Sorry. All of my British cousins. Something. And essentially, you know, you're in homeroom, as we call it. You know, that's not really your first class. You're there. You could be there with people who aren't in your other class. It depends on your school. Right. So that's what's happening here. And in their version, even different um, years are in the same homeroom. So, like, Charlie is what we would call 10th grade. And he's seated next to in this homeroom. He's not excited about this at all, walking in the homeroom, coming back to school. But he sees who he's seated next to, who is Nick. Nick is what we would call 11th grade. And Nick is a nice guy. Now, when Charlie sees Nick, things start to seem much better in life. <laughs> now, Nick, he's like the the captain of the rugby team at the school. He's popular. But again, he's really nice. Now, along with Nick come the rugby players. You know what kind of people they're going to be. And there's also someone called Imogen, played by Rhea Norwood. And by the way, Nick is played by Kit Connor. So Imogen has her eyes on Nick. Where are Nick's eyes going, though? That's the question. They have questions about Nick and Tara. Nick and Imogen. What does that mean? Hmm. So the question's going to be across this season. What's going to develop between Charlie and Nick? That's the question. We know what Charlie thinks, but what does Nick think? So with all of that said, the central relationship here between Charlie and Nick outshines everything else in the show. And in particular, Nick is the most narratively complete and interesting character. So he would be, if you're thinking love Simon, love Victor, he would be kind of like the Simon or the Victor character here. But in what way? I didn't say. Plus, when it comes to Kit's depiction of Nick, I mean, he doesn't have a false moment. And Nick has a lot of complications, a lot. But Kit, the facial work is great. It's not overdone. He really fills in all these complicated thoughts that he's having effortlessly, seemingly. So my hat goes off to Kit. I think he makes the show. Now, Joe as Charlie does a wonderful job. It's just not as much to show. So the narrative, again, the narrative complexity, all of that is in Nick. And they just casted it very well. I mean, they casted it well across the board, but that, I mean, they just nailed that one for me. Now, each episode, there are eight of them, is a half hour. So smart, not long. You can breeze through them. But for me, they needed a little more of a variety to justify eight, even at that runtime. Really, producer, I was thinking this could be a movie. And then you would cut the runtime in half. Because there's not that much going on. like, And we've seen this kind of thing before. We've seen it before, whether it's Love, Simon, Love, Victor, or something else. Just a classic uh -huh. teen rom-com. We right. know the beats. Uh -huh. And there's nothing really shocking that's going to happen here when it comes to those narratives. So I would say this is a safe space teen rom-com. That's mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to have a little more of a bite. 
like even the bullying is kind of tame. It's like, okay, well, whatever. And other obstacles. But that's kind of the point here. I think that's their raison d'etre. They're going, we're not doing all of that hard stuff. You can come here and feel included and be safe and still see some of the things that happen in the real world. So I think if this is your kind of thing where you need that, then Heartstopper is for you. I'm certain some teens will find this reassuring and even some adults as well. I was fine with it, but I really did like what Kit was doing as Nick. Would I watch season two? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's not, it wasn't bad. I just finished it because it was so short, but I was done with the story before they were done telling it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, Heartstopper premieres on April 22nd on Netflix. And our next sneak peek, a very British scandal. Um, also, same day, anthology. It actually had a different name out the gate. So it was previously called a very English scandal. Mm-hmm. So if you were watching that before, now it has a new name. It is a historical drama TV miniseries starring uh, Clay Foy, Ian Campbell. No, that's a character name. That's uh, Paul <laughs> Brittany. <laughs> yeah. Margaret. Oh, no, yeah, here we go. Um, where is this? They're the two. That's yeah. all you need. Claire Foley and Paul Bettany. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. So yeah. tell us what you think about this season. Yes, and well done, producer. So, yeah, it is this anthology with two different titles for the two different seasons because the scandals are in different places. So the first season, it is in England. The second season, it's in Scotland. So they're calling it British. Okay. And we're back to nasty. This. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is so nasty and it's based on true events. So in a very British scandal, it's 1963 at the start and we have the sensational divorce of Argyle versus Argyle. You gonna know like the Argyle sweater, that pattern? Yup. Mm-hmm. And it's in Edinburgh's court of session. Then we go after we see that title on the screen, you go, okay, what's about to happen? You go back 16 years and we meet a couple of Scottish nobles, Margaret and Ian, played by Claire and Paul. And they meet on a train. Is it a meet cute? It ain't cute. Now, both of them are married with kids when they meet. He's on his second marriage and she's just about to divorce her first husband. Now, she's quite the spirit. I don't care what time period we're in. She's quite the free spirit. A close friend of hers even likens her to a bonobo. (laughs) But what does she say in retort to that friend? Uh Uh-oh. Now, when it comes to Ian, he's just as free, but he's also a captain who was a prisoner of war during World War II. And now he's about to become the 11th Duke of Argyle. Because the 10th Duke, who's a distant relation, like he's his second cousin once removed, is on the verge of dying. Oh, my God. Plus, this plum duchy comes with a storied castle called Inverera. And Margaret certainly cannot deny that castle. And her money won't be able to deny it either when it needs to be fixed. Well, it's really daddy's money. But what about Mobby? for Margaret. Mm -hmm. And what about Ian's money? Why does he need Margaret's money to fix Inverara? You'd think that a soon-to-be Duke would be rolling in the dough, right? Well, unfortunately, everything isn't coming up roses here. There have been consequences for their past behavior, and there will continue to be consequences for their behavior moving forward. After all, in response to Ian's rather unconventional proposal before he even divorced his second wife and mother of his heir. Margaret says this, quote, we have to promise that we will never ever bore one another, unquote. To which Ian replies, quote, I'll do and say many things. None of them will be boring, unquote. (laughs) But how will everyone else respond to their lack of boredom? A nice euphemism. 
their family, their friends, their fellow upper crust noble society members, and their exes, along with their soon-to-be exes. I mean, what kind of wives club is this? And do they even know what they're getting themselves into? As the good book says, a bad tree cannot possibly bear good fruit. But this fruit, this fruit, look, it shocks even the most stoic of sensibilities. Even I'm shocked. (laughs) It just gets nasty. And so quickly. (laughs) Now, look, you can't underestimate the aristocracy, especially when their slips start to show. And it's Mm. a lot of slips showing. A lot of slips showing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, really, this comes down to Claire and Paul, their chemistry. They got a lot of it, whether they're in love or in hate. So they hold this show in their palms tightly. Now, unlike the first season of this, again, a very English scandal, a very British scandal is full on drama. A very English scandal, it's like you got Hugh Grant, you know, it's comedic and ridiculous and fun and nasty. But this is drama nasty, but it still works. Mm. It's like this. It's like they've taken the nasty, tawdry bits from a British period piece like The Crown and encased it in respectable production values and excellent acting. And in the end, it's all so sad, so sad that humans can come to this. But Mm. I said it earlier in this episode, producer, I know humanity. Okay. (laughs) all the good parts and all the bad and you're gonna get a lot of bad here so if you watched a very english scandal just know you're going drama okay if you're ready for that great again like i said if you take the nasty stuff out of the crown or maybe even nasty downton abbey just take that if you had a show of that then this is it if you want to see that three episodes total that's it on prime april 22nd of 20. Oh my goodness. All right. Are you waiting in the nasty here, producer? I don't know. I'm intrigued. See that? We we know your heart. We know your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's gotta keep these streaming services alive. Uh, where's I'll Daddy Jackson part. when you need her? A lot of people are calling her Miss Jackson from what we talked about. Oh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, there is. (laughs) We're done with our uh, episode of Why Watch That Interim. Until next time. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.